1: Now
4: Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Red Pill News Live. Hope you guys are having a lovely day. Do me a favor. Drop a one in the chat if you're from Texas, and then if you see someone dropping a one in the chat from Texas, give them a big shout out, because Texas right now is leading the charge in state sovereignty, in state rights, and of course, in protecting the nation. Big shout out to Texas Patriots. If you are just joining us, do me a favor, please hit that like button. Help us out by sharing the show. Trisha, yes, I knew you'd be here. (laughs) We've got a lot to discuss today, guys, and (laughs) not a lot of time to do it. President Trump dropping Moab's on Fannie Willis. Also got a uh, disturbing, disturbing series of cases of fitness influencers dropping dead. And my friend Jake Lang is going to be joining at about 15 minutes in. Because there's some brand new evidence regarding January 6th and the biased juries. In Washington, D.C. So before we begin, guys, I need to tell you about the sponsor of today's program. This one is a little different from what we've had in the past, but essentially this sponsor is this book, Blessed, Reclaiming My Life from the Horrors of Ritual Abuse by the author Rosie Damore. Now, this is a powerful book which details Rosie's firsthand account Uh, straight from her account as a victim. It's kind of rare because oftentimes victims are not able to tell their story because they don't often survive the ordeal. And even if they do survive, they rarely recover sufficiently to even be able to put it down on paper. And the truth of the matter is they also offer uh, a lot of criticism. Oftentimes people don't always believe them because the, the world is unkind to survivors and ritualistic abuse victims. And there are also powerful forces that want to work to destroy these victims uh, and uh, not allow the horrors of what happened to them actually get out. Now, When you purchase this book, let me just give you a fair warning. This is not a bedtime story. We're we're talking about stuff that happened to her that was so severe that it forced her to have disassociative memory loss. And it's obviously heartbreaking on top of it because it's a a story about what her parents did to her. I mean, this is them who involved her in this ritualistic abuse. There's also problems that arose when she tried to get help. She's made accusations about counselors that she went to trying to get through all of this stuff. And uh, they may have implanted artificial memories into her mind trying to cover up for what her parents did. Uh, so I actually wanted to interview Rosie here on the show. I wanted to do an in-person interview like I normally would with a story like this but the the truth is because of the severity of the trauma that she's experienced she just was not willing to go over it again in detail On camera, Plus, Rosie Damore, that's actually not her real name. She exhausted all the courage that she had left by writing it under this assumed name, this nom de plume. But the truth of the matter is, this is a really powerful story. I think it's a must-read, not only for people who obviously want to draw attention and expose ritualistic abuse, but I think it's also a must-read for anybody who would go out there pretending that pedophilia is a victimless crime. The book is probably going to make you angry because of the cruelty that's done to children, but at the end of the day, it's all about healing. Uh, it's not really going to be a tell-all exposure of the people who did this to her, but she kind of wrote it so that she could heal and then move on with her life. So you can click the link in the description of this video. It's right there up at the top, and because you guys uh, are here, the first thousand copies will be given at a special cost. This is just for Red Pill 78 viewers. So the tilde on this is is this book, Blessed, is a first-hand account in a victim's journey from healing due to unimaginable horrors. Get it right now by clicking the link in the description below, and I will go ahead and share that link out for you guys right now. And I wanted to say thank you, Rosie, for having the courage to tell your story, and also for believing in my show so that I could bring it to my audience, because uh, I think that Based upon everything that we've talked about on the show, guys, I know that you care about this issue as much as I do. So thank you very, very much to Rosie. All right, let me begin today. Actually, I need to get my Zoom call pulled up so that when Jake jumps on the line, he will be able to join the conversation. Okay, let me drop that over there. And here we go. All right, so I saw this drop from actually another... Guest who's been on the show before, uh, Mark Crispin Miller. You guys might remember him because he was a liberal professor from New York and he was maybe politically liberal, ideologically liberal, but he wasn't politically correct. And so his students tried to cancel him and get him fired. Well, ever since then, he has been speaking out about the same stuff we speak out about here on this show. The, the tyranny of our current regime in the federal government, uh, the attempts by the pharmaceutical industrial complex to force people to take vaccines, uh, take unnecessary medications that they don't want to take. And so he shared this out. This is actually coming from that new VigilantNews.com, which is brought to you by, I believe, the Vigilant Fox. You can find him on Twitter. But I had no idea about this because I hadn't seen all of these cases put together in the same place at the same time. But apparently in uh, recent times and likely as a result of people taking the jabs, we've had 16 fitness influencers who have died under mysterious circumstances now. One person dying under mysterious circumstances, that's just one case of died suddenly. But when you have a whole bunch of people who are all in the exact same industry, kind of like when we were seeing the soccer stars and the football stars drop dead or pass out out of nowhere or the uh, people on television, the, the news anchors. It tends to draw a little bit more attention, and that's probably why they haven't been talking about this. But these people were fitness influencers on places like Instagram and TikTok, so I- I've never heard of them. But the one thing I can tell you they all have in common is that they were all in great shape. We have a, a series of people. This woman, 33 years old in Brazil, she suffered double cardiac arrests. She was traveling in August of last year. She had of a- one heart attack, and then she went into a coma. Then she. She had another heart attack, and that one killed her. Uh, we have another here, a, a young doctor in his 30s in Ireland. He also died in August of 2023. Uh, here we have a, a an influencer from Slovakia. Uh, again, she was a personal trainer. She also died in August of 2023. It's almost like all these people got their jabs as soon as they possibly could, maybe because they were traveling. Maybe because they were trying to make it big in the entertainment industry. Uh, but here we go. We have another one. This is a uh, a nurse, so definitely probably took the jab. She died in 2023, Ju- July 2023. She had a um, uh, a medical emergency. That's all we know. But she was also a fitness influencer. Uh, we have another 22-year-old trainer. He was found dead in his home in, in July of 2023. Uh, we have an 18-year-old uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion also died in July of 2023. Uh, We have a mother and and a dentist from uh, Connecticut, it looks like. She was also a CrossFit influencer, dead June of 2023. I could go on and on, but I think that you guys understand the point. We have a series of deaths related to people working out in the fitness industry, which would mean that their heart would be under strain. Uh, And as we know, one of the major damaging aspects of these various genetic modification shots is that they damage people's hearts. Myocarditis, pericarditis, and then of course there's also the aspect of the blood clots and all of the other various health maladies that go along with it. But the more you're moving, the more you're working out your body, the more strain and stress that you're putting on your body, the more likely it is that an injury of this type is going to put you six feet under. Uh, but uh, the, the the tragedy of this, again, is that all these people were so young. We are living in a very strange time. If 10 years ago, right, 10 years ago, somebody looks at a list like this, a bunch of 30-something, relatively good-looking, healthy people, dying For no reason at all. This is not the kind of thing that you expect to see. But now we hear about somebody dying of a heart attack at 22. We hear about somebody having a stroke at 25. We hear about a 31-year-old man having a brain injury. What is a brain injury? I mean, that sounds like a stroke to me. And it, it doesn't seem so out of the realm of possibility. So... Um, I also made contact with uh, a woman that I told you guys about a couple of months back. Um, she was a nurse. She is now vaccine injured and her life is a living hell. But at least she's alive. I, I don't know uh, how much consolation that is to somebody who is physically damaged and and living with a, an ongoing struggle based upon having to take this jab. Um, but I have made contact with her and she's going to be coming on the show soon. She's. In the midst of some health crises as a result of that. So as soon as I get that date scheduled, I will let you guys know. And I also was able to reschedule Matthew Rife. So Matthew Rife is going to be back here on March 2nd. And uh, by that time, I should have my Rife machine and I can actually use it and tell you guys uh, how I like it and what my results are. All right. So uh, if you guys wouldn't mind, please consider hitting that like button and uh, also share up the show for me if you would. Kicking it off today, I-, I thought that I would bring you guys a bit of good news, because in the same way that a number of other states have attempted to take President Trump off the ballot and stop the people from being able to vote for him, Massachusetts recently attempted the exact same thing, but the good news in this instance is that the Massachusetts ballot commission has rejected any efforts to remove President Trump from the ballot. Now, again, it's the same old story. It is the 14th amendment that they're citing. They said, we believe Mr. Trump's candidacy for this office and placement on the Massachusetts ballot violates the Constitution, so we are challenging the constitutionality. Uh, this is from an attorney that is working to remove President Trump. It's the job of this commission to hear objections to the legality of placement of candidates on the ballot. Uh, and of course, the Election Commission has rejected the case. On procedural grounds, they find that uh, they didn't have the jurisdiction to address the matter. And uh, nobody has the jurisdiction to remove President Trump from the ballot. He is the Republican nominee at this point, even if we're still going through the primary phase. Uh, everybody knows that President Trump is going to be the man to beat come November. And that's why these people are so freaked out, looking to find any way that they can to stop him. Now, here's something that uh, a lot of people I haven't even really heard it considered. But the Republican Party in any of these states, if for some reason President Trump is removed from the ballot, then the Republican Party could opt to just go with a caucus system and belie the the primary process altogether, because then they would be the ones who would be uh, nominating President Trump to be their person. I mean, Joe Biden and the Democrats have done this in a number of states around the country already, and they're going to be doing it in many states because they simply can't afford a loss for Joe Biden. They have to present this image of uh, a a, a straw man, essentially, that might have the ability to run a successful campaign. But we know Joe Biden can't run a campaign. This is why Van Jones said yesterday that he should just stay in his basement. Don't even bother coming out. But one of those places where he did appear in the last couple of days was there in Virginia. Uh, we discussed the appearance yesterday. Well... Of course, they took the opportunity to speak with Virginia voters, given the fact that it's a rare occurrence that Joe Biden's gonna make a physical in-person appearance. Uh, but it looks like Virginia, which, you know, is the, the, the home of the Central Intelligence Agency, and you're gonna find a lot of people living in this area, which are coming from the D.C. Beltway. They are not a sure bet for Joe Biden when it comes to November. Uh, this, of course, is a state that's run by Governor Glenn Youngkin. But prior to that, it was run by Terry McAuliffe and it was you know, pretty regularly voting for Democrats. Uh, and, of course, with Joe Biden suggesting that maybe Governor Youngkin didn't actually win his seat in a free and fair election, uh, that begins to call into question a whole bunch of things. Again, why is it OK for Joe Biden to suggest that the election was incorrectly called uh, when we say that the election was Was stolen, or that the election wasn't correctly called. Of course, they cry foul and they try to put us in prison. Uh, So, based upon this poll uh, of uh, likely voters there in the state of Virginia, this was done by the Center for Civic Leadership, and it 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 spoke with a thousand Virginia voters. Now, 59 percent of them disapprove of the job Joe Biden is doing. Not surprising. Thirty nine percent approve. This is actually on the decline. It's two points lower than the same poll that was taken a year ago. Uh, and only 20 percent of those people who approve of Joe Biden's behavior at this point, uh, said that the country is heading in the right direction. 71% of those people see it as heading in the wrong direction. It's a powerful statement because it shows that uh, you know roughly 10% of the people who do approve of Joe Biden don't believe that he's doing a good job. Now, Virginians continue to approve of Governor Yunkin, Republican, 50 to 39%. This is two years in a row. 43% said that the Commonwealth is heading in the right direction. 37% say that They don't. So Joe Biden and his team have right uh, to be a little worried about what's happening in Virginia. And again, by the time we get to November, the country is only heading in one direction it is on a steady downward slope. So by the time it's the general election, I I think that you're going to see Joe Biden's numbers continue to crater up to and including the point where Donald Trump takes such a commanding lead all across the country. It should be pretty obvious very quickly exactly who's going to win the election for president in 2024. Now. Of course, one of the only tools that the Democrats have in their book uh, is to continually uh, lie and uh, obfuscate about Donald Trump and what it means for him to come back into the office of the presidency. And the specific comments that Kamala Harris made in this interview are just so tone deaf and show a, a fundamental misunderstanding uh, about the nature of this situation. Uh, Either Kamala Harris is willfully ignorant or she believes that she can psyop the American people into believing that the actions of her regime, uh, along with Joe Biden, uh, are not what's actually happening right now. So she sat down with Katie Couric to discuss the election coming up between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Uh, and of course, they're not going to give her any real difficult questions. Um, but let me just play the clip for you.
5: November of of, not, of 2024, binary. And on the other side, you've got someone who has said.
4: That was weird. What was going on?
5: He were back in office. He would weaponize the Department of Justice. Okay. November of of, not, of 2024, binary. And on the other side, you've got. Someone who has said that if he were back in office, he would weaponize the Department of Justice. Someone who has openly applauded insurrectionists as patriots.
4: Okay, so first of all, claiming that Donald Trump would weaponize the Justice Department. Kamala, what the hell do you think is happening right now? You just described your own administration. You just described the very tactics that Joe Biden, the Department of Justice, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation have been engaging in since the moment that Donald Trump announced he was running for president going back to 2015. And since he left the office of the presidency in early 2021, you have once again set those federal agencies on the path of destroying Donald Trump using the tactics of weaponized systems of justice and investigations. So for Kamala Harris to look the camera in the eye and say this, it shows that she is either willfully blind to the true nature of the situation, or she is just perfectly comfortable lying and projecting as they usually are.
5: Someone who has said that they will go after their political enemies and and applauds dictators, indicating that he would be one.
4: And of course, that's nothing like what Donald Trump said. Donald Trump made a joke about being a dictator in the same way that he joked about Russia giving uh, Hillary Clinton's emails to him. Uh, Obviously, the Democrats can't take a joke, uh, or I guess I'm going to say the deep state can't take a joke.
5: So let's be really clear about what's at stake. And then, yes, of course there is then a desire that let's get out there because we can't lose this democracy.
4: We can't. More like we can't lose our stranglehold on power because it would not be a weaponization of the Department of Justice or the Federal Bureau of Investigation when Donald Trump comes in. Donald Trump's going to clean house and Donald Trump is going to ensure that factual Justified investigations actually take place looking into the crimes of people like Joseph Robinette Biden and his criminal family network. And talk about making alliances with dictators. Isn't it Joe Biden that's been licking the boots of Xi Jinping? Isn't it Joe Biden who's been purchasing oil from Venezuela, Maduro, a socialist dictator? Mm, no. I, I feel that the American people are just not buying anything they say. I actually love that Kamala Harris had this interview and she allowed us to get this soundbite. Because to me and I think to you, you hear something like that and you just say, Of course. Of course they're going to say that because they don't know how to do anything else other than break the law, weaponize the government, and then put all of their own crimes as a projection onto Donald Trump. If you want to know what these people are up to, just look what they're accusing Donald Trump of doing. Not surprising. Also not surprising Kamala Harris is not the only one worried about losing this race. Joe Biden's campaign is not the only one worried about losing this race. Barack? Hussein Obama himself, who, of course, wants to get Michelle into the White House so he can move back in and probably meet up for a late night crack snack with a male hooker, uh, has been behind the scenes telling Joe Biden that um, he really needs to get out. He really needs to get out because he's going to lose when it comes down to it. Now, the relationship between Barry and Joe has never been particularly strong. Uh, it's always been a point of contention. And I love that clip of Barack Obama coming back to the White House. This was a couple of months back and Joe Biden trying his best, his darndest to get Barack's attention. But he's such a rock star, right? And all of the power brokers and the Democrat swamp system, or trying to get Barack's attention, shake his hand, say, Barry, Barry, and Joe's just mumbling, shuffling, rambling around behind him, knowing that the only reason he's even standing there in the White House is because Barry helped to make it happen. Nobody has ever liked Joe Biden. People have always thought that Joe Biden was a a, a disgusting, filthy, nasty old man, with the collective brain power of a swarm of gnats, Joe Biden is not a leader. Joe Biden has never been a leader. Joe Biden has always been the guy behind the scenes uh, pushing for backroom deals, making arrangements to have wire deposits sent to overseas accounts. Joe Biden doesn't know how to behave in a situation like this. And so that's why Barry has been there. That's why Barry wants to make sure Michelle is going to be the one to get in there. I know that this is a point of contention, but it just makes sense to me. So they want Joe to drop out. So where is this story coming from? Well, uh it is a apparently being reported by Radar Online. Insiders snitched that tensions between the two presidents recently exploded after irate Obama rushed to a secret meeting and confronted Biden about his fated chances to fend off surging Republican candidate Donald Trump in the upcoming November election. Uh, And, of of course, we can take a look at nationwide numbers to get a a feel for that. 38% of the nation at large approve of his performance 58% uh, hold a negative opinion of his work. Again, I think that that number is most likely far higher because likely they would have oversampled for Democrats. But uh, Barry would have a perfect opportunity to get Michelle into the race if Joe were to actually drop out. So I I tend to believe that, that, oh, man, why did they do this? This story was free earlier, and now they have changed it. So that it's no longer free. Hold on just a second. Um, let me find a different one. So. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, the, uh, the gist of it is that President Trump has joined the efforts by his co defendant to get Fannie Willis kicked off of. Hang on. Let me. Let me see if let me see if I can get this to work. Hey, <laughs> that's the Zoom call. I'm trying. To, uh, I was waiting for Jake to join, but uh, he hasn't gotten here yet. Um. OK, I think I have to sign in with uh, my Gmail account. Denied access. What the heck? <laughs> am, am I blocked from the Daily Caller? There we go. Okay. All right. I got it. We're back.
1: no oh fighterflare.com
4: All right. So President Trump has joined that motion to dismiss the racketeering case against him and his 17 uh, co-defendants, not co-conspirators because they never committed any crimes. So he moved to adopt his co-defendant's motion to dismiss Fannie Willis, the Georgia prosecutor who has, in a corrupt and fraudulent way, hired her boyfriend for an exorbitant fee uh, to allow him to do work on this case work hand in hand with the Biden White House counsel, work hand in hand with the Department of Justice, and then, of course, to travel around the world on luxurious cruises, first class airfare travel, all on the, the the dime of the Fulton County taxpayer. So Michael Roman, in his motion to dismiss this case, of course, it's all about Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade, her boy toys, unbecoming relationship, something that they never should have been involved in. But the awesome power to prosecute ought never be manipulated for personal or political profit the motion states. Now, of course, Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade have done both in this instance. They have personally profited by pocketing as much money from the taxpayers of Fulton County as they possibly can. Uh, and then, of course, there is also the uh, political profit that Fannie Willis and perhaps Nathan Wade have also gained by working directly with the Biden White House and the corrupt deep state elements of Washington, D.C. There is also probably a fairly heavy political benefit that Fannie Willis is going to gain by going against President Trump, because there are certainly politicians, say maybe Brad Raffensperger or Brian Kemp, uh, who are going to reward her for doing the bidding of the deep state and the Biden regime. So Fannie Willis has broken all manner of different ethics violations. The experience that uh, she has produced uh, is wholly unfair to President Trump. Uh Not only that, but she has also openly stated things about him and his co-defendants, uh, and specifically during that speech that she gave at the church. Now, we actually have a segment from it, so let's go ahead and listen to this.
7: And I hired one black man, another superstar a great friend, and a great lawyer. Oh Lord, they are gonna be mad when I call them out on this nonsense. First thing they say, oh she gonna play the race card now. But no God, isn't it them who's playing the race card when they only question one? Uh Isn't it them playing the race card when they constantly think, I need someone in some other jurisdiction, in some other state, to tell me how to do a job I've been doing almost 30 years.
4: Let me just say this. As I've stated on a number of occasions, the race card is not what's being played here. Fannie Willis, you could be a white woman dating a white lawyer who was working for you, that you chose to pay more than the experts on that case and it would be a direct conflict of interest and a violation of your oath of office uh, and it would still be a betrayal to not only the justice system itself, but also to the people of Fulton County. Because you have personally enriched yourself by taking first-class plane tickets and global cruises to the Caribbean uh, on a number of different occasions, uh, and that was all paid for by your lover, your boyfriend, your subordinate, Nathan Wade. Now, if you would have paid the expert, okay, the guy who wrote the book on RICO cases in the state of Georgia, who is working on this case, if you would have paid him more than your your boy toy, then it's likely that nobody would have said anything because he's the expert. The questions arise when it is revealed that Nathan Wade, the man who may be a good lawyer but has no prosecutorial experience and no relevant experience in terms of a racketeering case, It becomes a problem when you put all of those things together along with that inflated value that you've assigned to him. And there is no race card that's being played. Now, by suggesting that it's the race card that's being played, well, that insinuates that the people who are on this motion are themselves racists. That is a public proclamation about the character of a defendant that you are prosecuting. So previously it was Michael Roman, the man who brought this motion to dismiss. Now with Donald Trump having joined the motion to dismiss, she is uh, uh, unconscionably suggesting that both of them and anybody else who who might stand up and say, Hey, you are engaging in a corrupt and uh, illegal, potentially fraudulent relationship. Not only, with this man himself, but also you ventured into it with the state of Georgia and uh, the people of Fulton County. Uh, so they're you impugning their character and suggesting that they're racists that has the potential to impact any jury pool that may be out there uh, when you do finally get the jury in the courtroom. Uh, and so that is a significant problem for the prosecution, or it should be rather given the, the state of the justice system, how it's supposed to be even, how it's supposed to be fair, how it's supposed to be unbiased, you know, all of that stuff.
7: Guys, why don't they look at themselves and just be honest? I mean, can't they keep it a hundred with themselves? Come on, come on. Why are they surprised that a diverse team, that i assembled, your child can accomplish extraordinary things. God, wasn't it them that attacked this lawyer of impeccable credentials? The black man I chose has been a judge more than 10 years, run a private practice more than 20, represented businesses in civil litigation. I ain't done, y'all. Served as a prosecutor, a criminal defense lawyer, special assistant attorney general, One Chief Justice Robert Benham Award from the State Bar of Georgia. You know, they ain't just giving this to black men. Uh How come, God, the same black man I hired was acceptable when a Republican in another county hired him and paid him twice the rate? Come on. Well,
4: because his boss wasn't screwing him, uh, his boss didn't cause the breakup of his marriage, uh, and whatever rate he was being paid, if he was the only expert that was appointed to that position, which I believe he was, and, and he wasn't overseeing a racketeering case, uh, but he wasn't getting paid more than someone with more relevant experience than him on that case. So, At the end of the day, Fannie Willis has painted herself into a corner. And as I said earlier this week, February 2nd and then February 15th are the next dates that we are looking towards. Uh, But there may be additional um, hearings that are called in the meantime, because as an ethics consideration, uh, there should be a independent Georgia investigation of this done, not only in the Senate, as we discussed yesterday, but also just in general in terms of the ethics board. All right, you guys, we have to take a break for the second half of the show. When we get back, we're going to talk about President Trump testifying in the E. Jean Carroll defamation case, and you're not going to want to miss it. So recently, I've told you guys about a breakthrough new anti-aging remedy that I've been using that keeps me energized all day long. I just take a teaspoonful of C60 Evo olive oil in the morning, and I notice better mental focus, flexibility, and physical endurance. Now, it's rare to feel improvements this quickly. I also end up sleeping deeper at night, so it's really helpful. Their peptide and ESS60 hair and lotion renewal formulas are exceptional because they really work. And C60 Evo's lab has been manufacturing this Nobel Prize winning miracle molecule for 32 years in their Houston, Texas, Patriot owned lab. ESS 60 is the upgraded version of the carbon 60 molecule. It's specifically made for both people and pets. It's a potent and effective way for people's lives to be improved all around the world. So maximize your health and enjoy noticeable results with C60 Evo organic edible oils, skin serums, and pet products. You can buy with confidence from C60 Evo, and you can use my personal code for a discount at checkout. Simply go to c60evo.com forward slash redpill78. And then when you're there, use code redpill78 for an additional 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's c60evo.com forward slash redpill78. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, guys, we're back. Let me just answer a comment in the chat. A dig over on on Rumble says, I'm trying not to get blackpilled. But it's hard to see how in the hell we're going to fix this corrupt government. Well, I will answer that for you right now. It's going to be one step at a time with the help of people just like you. You guys, when did Donald Trump announce he was going to run for president? 2015. OK, so when was he elected? In 2016, he came into office uh in early 2017. Think about how much that corrupt system has been exposed since the moment Donald Trump took the oath of office. Think about how much was exposed just in that election season where he was running for the very first time. It was only at that moment that true, meaningful work moving forward to correct this broken and failed system. Only then did it begin. Think about how many people in the intervening years we've woken up through our collective efforts. Uh, It's phenomenal when you think about it. You have to examine the situation here in America and the fight that we maintain on a daily basis as a continuum. All right. It's not a single event like we are not going to wake up one morning and everything's going to be perfect. And all of the corrupt people are going to be gone. This is going to be an ongoing effort that will require active participation from each and every one of us. And every election cycle, we get new people elected. Every election cycle, we have an opportunity to draw attention to the true corrupt nature of everything that's going on. And just think about what happened this week with Kerry Lake exposing Jeff DeWitt as uh, from from the Arizona GOP. He was trying to bribe her to stay out of politics. I mean, imagine how many other politicians out there, male or female, have had that exact same conversation with people that would like to keep them out of politics. You don't think that somebody at one time or another has suggested to J.R. that he stay out of politics? <laughs> I, I highly doubt it. J.R. ran once, They lied about him, and they beat him by a slim margin. And you know what he did? He didn't give up. He didn't say, well, I gave it a shot, and I guess we're just never going to fix it now. No, he turned around, and he decided to run again. If you've ever come up against a problem or a situation in your life that required you to really put a lot of effort into, and maybe even a couple of different tries to fix or overcome, then you can look at that microcosmic event in the same way that we look at us fixing America. This is a timeline. We are in a multi-generational war at this moment. We have to continue to foster these beliefs, these desires, and the tools to fix this among not only ourselves, our friends, our family, our relatives, our children, OK, but we need to make sure that we continue to pass this legacy on to our children's children, because if we ever just you know, think that we've won and that's it, we can just step back, then we're going to lose it again. I mean, I've said this on so many occasions, you know, they took they took America while we slept. We thought that it was never going to happen, that America would always be America. However, slowly, like the frogs boiling in a pot, they stole our country from us. They chipped away at our civil rights. They took our freedoms. They took our liberty. And we, for some reason, allowed it to happen. Maybe apathy, uh maybe boredom, maybe just being tired, thinking that we didn't have the power. But President Trump showed us that one man does have the power to inform a massive impact on a global problem. Okay, if Donald Trump's running for president, winning, beating the system, getting it stolen from him and then coming back to beat it again, if that doesn't fill you with hope, then I don't know what is. I am saying these things because it's so vitally important that no one out there black pills, that you understand that, again, this is a war. We are in the fight for our lives. We are in the fight for our country. We are in a fight for this planet, this entire world. Everything is at stake, okay? Quite literally, everything is at stake, and we have to be prepared to fight. We have to be prepared to continue moving forward. I, I gave this uh, uh, analogy yesterday with Brad. You know, think about World War I. You've got... The Germans on one side and the Brits on the other. Okay. And they're in foxholes separated by a hundred yards of muddy field with dead bodies littering it. Barbed wire. And the only way you move forward is by crawling out of that foxhole and running, charging forward or inching forward. You take ground by moving feet. And you hope that you don't get pushed back. And people are going to get shot along the way. There's going to be horrors. There's going to be massive problems for you to overcome. But eventually, if you keep pushing forward, you make it to the foxhole of the other side. And there, you have just taken that field. Imagine our ancestors fighting in World War I, World War II. Think about those people, okay? Okay. I bet that there were many times where they thought this is impossible. I'll never do this. We'll never win. The Germans are too powerful or whatever. The other side is too powerful. But in the end, we're going to overcome. And you just have to believe in yourself and you have to recognize the fact that it requires our collective effort. Donald Trump represents what is possible. He's not the answer but he is helping us to take back our country. OK, so just remember that don't black pill. We've done tremendous things. We've done things that I never thought were possible. Back when Barack Obama was in office, I didn't think we could do it, but I truly now believe after witnessing everything we've done, everything we've exposed, the people who continually every day, they get light shown on them. There is tremendous power in that. We are waking up the masses, and the world is waking up to what's happening. I haven't even spoken this week about what's happening in Europe, but there are mass protests. Farmers, okay? The farmers are shutting the countries down. They're showing up at government buildings and dumping horse shit and cow shit at the doors of the politicians, They're setting up bales of hay, blocking these people in the building or from coming out of the building. They're lining their tractors up on the streets and not allowing these fascist shock troops to come through. They are forcing the hand of their governments. That's got to be us. My friends, that has to be us. We have so many more people than what they have in just France or in just Germany. So many patriots. All right. And as I've said many, many, many times in the past, the only thing you need to do is to determine what you have to offer. What can you give to this fight and where can you put that into action? I guarantee you, every single one of you has got something. Every single one of you has the ability. R.L. Kisner, black pill, red pill is when you wake up. Black pill is when you give up. So don't give up. Don't black pill. Well, look at President Trump. Look at everything he's had to deal with. Sure, he's a millionaire. Sure, he's got people around him who care about him, but he's also got the collective sights of the entire deep state, the entire globalist New World Order agenda pointed right squarely at his forehead. Donald Trump hasn't black pilled. Donald, they stole the freaking election. Okay, I've lost an election before. I know how it feels. It's like the most depressing thing you're ever going to go through. He won the election and they stole it from him. And barely anybody backed him up except for we the people. And he didn't back down. He didn't quit. He didn't walk away with his head hung low and his tail between his legs. No. He left for a period of time to regroup, okay, just as you do when you lose a battle on the battlefield, just as you do when you lose in the war of ideas, okay? You coalesce. You put together the best possible argument, and then you come back with it. President Trump put together the best possible plan to come back and to retake Washington, D.C., and when he does, make no mistake, there are going to be a lot of angry people, There's also going to be a lot of people who lose their jobs. The resistance, they're not going to be in Washington, D.C. anymore. And then you know what they're going to need, guys? They're going to need us. They're going to need people like us. At that point, I would be totally willing to go to Washington, D.C. and offer my services, offer my line of work for President Trump, whatever he needs from me. I would totally do it. I wouldn't want to work in government right now, but I might be forced to. No. what happens if an an opportunity arises and that looks like the, the best possible way that I can offer my assistance to help the American people? I would do it in a heartbeat. If I was called, I would do it. I am calling every single one of you right now. What is your skill? Because every single one of you is special. Every single one of you has got something. I don't know what that is. Okay. I feel like this is my something special. This is what I have to offer. But how, we've got 3,500 people just on Rumble. Probably another five, 600 people over there on the foxhole. Probably another 600 people over here on Getter. Maybe a hundred people over here on Twitter. I don't even know. We've got thousands of people, thousands of people right now watching this show who I know. Have something you can offer. So what is it, you guys? Ask yourself that. Look in the mirror. Ask yourself, what do I offer? What can I do? doesn't mean that you have to run for office or anything like that. But there is a lot you could be doing. Uh, pray for Trump says, where can I rent a manure truck? Any farmers out there who can rent a manure truck and I hopefully a big pile of cow shit's going to come with it. Uh, Hazel Kitty says, Ecclesiastes 412, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him and a three stand cord is not quickly broken. Exactly. Stand arm in arm. Believe in yourself. Believe in this mission. Believe in the power of truth, of justice, and believe that the evil are going to get what's coming to them. Jim Kyle says, Trump had uh, too many backstabbers that took the money and sold him out. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I think it uh, depends on how you look at it. Um, certainly, there were a lot of people in Washington, D.C., who worked against President Trump. Uh, and I, I would say that the people who were closest to him are the ones that he can actually trust. Those people are going to take on more important roles in the Trump 2.0 administration. But even more important than that, he's got an entire army of people like us out here, of younger people who have gone to school specifically to work in government or who understand business, uh, who understand the the machinations of government. Those people are going to be working for Trump in the second administration. And all of those people you're talking about, Jim, all of those dangerous resistance leaders, the rhinos and the covert Democrats, those people are not going to be anywhere near Washington, (sighs) D.C. Think about this. President Trump right now. How many jurisdictions is he currently going through this BS in? Georgia, New York, multiple cases in New York, uh, also Washington, D.C. Uh, think about the, the cases to keep him off the ballots in a variety of different states. That man, you, you you would think that he must have a clone of himself with as often as he has to travel around this country. And then he's still doing rallies, guys. He's still doing it all. You can't ever look in the mirror and say, I'm too tired. I can't do it. I don't have the energy. President Trump can do it. 77 years old, and the man is running around like he's 25. Today, President Trump took the stand uh, in this E. Jean Carroll case. Uh, he was on there for about three minutes. Can you imagine what they would have asked him, what they did ask him, how humiliating this whole thing is? accusing him of being a rapist, raping that woman. So the defense rested after President Trump got on the stand and briefly answered a couple of questions for Alina Haba. Um, Let me see here. And jurors are going to be returning Friday to hear closing arguments. So Judge Lewis Kaplan dismissed the jurors. He instructed them to come back Friday and hear the closing arguments, so they'll likely have to begin deliberating by lunchtime. Uh, let's see what they said. Trump, on the stand, of course, I'm sure that he would have denied ever raping Eugene Carroll. Uh, and that's what this whole case is about. He he continued to deny it, even after they said he was liable for it. Um, but President Trump is an innocent man, and he's being forced to endure One of the most horrific and humiliating things that I can possibly imagine. Think about the people also around President Trump who have sacrificed their freedom because they believe in this man. Somebody like Peter Navarro. They're putting Peter Navarro in prison for four months. He was convicted of contempt of Congress. Uh, for refusing to cooperate with the investigation of the January 6th unselect committee. He refused to cooperate with the subpoena, which, by the way, is the same thing that Hunter Biden did. Uh, only the difference is that Peter Navarro should have had presidential privilege. He, he should not have been able to be compelled to produce any of this information that they were looking for. But nevertheless, they did convict him, and this morning he was sentenced to four months behind bars. This is the second of Trump's personal aides that have been convicted of contempt of Congress. First, of course, was Steve Bannon. He also got a four-month sentence, but he is still free pending an appeal. And of of course, Peter Navarro is going to appeal. I I doubt it that Peter Navarro is going to be brought behind bars anytime soon. Uh, This subpoena to produce documents and a deposition for the January 6th committee obviously was a sham from the very beginning. Peter Navarro was the White House trade advisor, and uh, he, of course, was a supporter of President Trump's uh, theory and proof of mass mail-in voter fraud uh, during the 2020 election. So Peter Navarro, when he appeared in court today, he did make a statement. He said, nobody in my position should be put in conflict between the legislative branch and the executive branch. And, of course, we know that if this was any other president, then, of course, that never would have happened. They would follow the same sort of precedent they've followed for hundreds of years at this point. But the judge told Navarro it took chutzpah for him to assert that he accepted responsibility for his actions while also suggesting that his prosecution was politically motivated. The judge said, you are not a victim. You are not the object of a political prosecution. Mm? Are you sure about that? Are you are you sure about that? Oh, man, my uh my thing isn't working. OK, so although his. Lawyers advised him not to address the judge. He said that he wanted to speak after hearing the judge express disappointment in him. Uh, responding to a question about why he didn't initially seek a lawyer's counsel, he told the judge, I didn't know what to do, sir, which seems to be a, a pretty reasonable thing to say. Uh, so the judge is allowing Peter Navarro's defense to submit a written brief on the question of allowing him to remain free pending appeal. Uh, now, watch them try to throw Peter Navarro in bars uh, – behind bars right away, um, but uh, they really ought to leave him to be free. Uh, prosecutors claimed that Peter Navarro tried to hide behind claims of privilege, even though he knew that the committees wanted – Uh, showing disdain for the committee that they should warrant a longer sentence. Prosecutors also ask the judge to give him six months behind bars and impose a $200,000 fine. Uh, The moral of the story here is that you don't tell Uncle Sam no. You just line up, bend over, and take whatever it is that they give you. It would have been so easy for Peter Navarro to just do exactly what the January 6th committee and the DOJ wanted him to, but he stuck by his morals. He stuck by his ethics, given what are seemingly insurmountable odds, certain time behind bars and a $200 fine, $200,000 fine that would that would break a lot of people. So the um, situation, of course. Is mirrored by Steve Bannon, who was also convicted of two separate counts of obstruction. And uh, this is also after the judge rejected uh, Peter Navarro and his lawyer's attempts to get a new trial schedule. Um, of course, there is the argument I mentioned earlier about unfair jurors uh, of bias in Washington, D.C. Uh, his, his attorneys had argued that the jurors had been improperly influenced by political protesters that were outside of the courtroom when they showed up uh, to break for deliberations. And shortly after the break, the jurors then found Peter Navarro guilty of those two misdemeanor counts of contempt of Congress. Let me just repeat that. This is a misdemeanor count and they're throwing him in prison for four months, not jail. Uh, They're going to put him in federal prison for four months uh, at best. Uh, Now the judge also found that Navarro didn't show the eight minute break had any effect on the September verdict. And he found that no protest was underway and no one approached the jurors. They just interacted with each other and the court officer assigned to accompany them. Now, The issue of biased jurors is uh, obviously one that's highly, highly important given the situation of where all of these prosecutions take place. For example, Jake Lang, he was uh, going to join us today. I don't know what happened. Maybe he was just unable to take a break for a phone call. But uh, the residents of Washington, D.C. were just surveyed about their opinions of people like Peter Navarro and the January 6th defendants. Uh, this was a poll that was done by Triton Polling and Research, and it shows that uh, the numbers don't lie. Eighty six point four percent of Washington, D.C. residents who are eligible to be jurors believe that it is important that those who participated in the events of January 6th are punished to the fullest extent of the law to prevent this from ever happening again. So this is pretty staggering. You're approaching nearly 90% of the people in Washington DC who qualify to be jurors agreeing that they should just throw the book at anybody who was in Washington DC on January 6th. And this has been shown when we look at the actual cases that, uh, that people People have been put up with. They have unanimously agreed that uh, January sixthers are worthy of extreme punishment, and the same goes for the judges as well and as we told you before. The jury pool for these cases in Washington, D.C. are are so small that they are now beginning to recycle these jurors. Uh, They're coming in and they may be accepted for one case, rejected for another, but then they get another jury summons and they come back in and they end up sitting on another case entirely. Uh, Based upon what, I really don't know, but I know that the number of people living in Washington, D.C. is already poisoned by the likelihood that, they're probably part of this deep state apparatus uh, at the end of the day. So 85.8% of the D.C. jury pool believes that January 6th was an insurrection. 80% agree that this was an act of domestic terrorism. 100% of them probably watch CNN. Uh, and the the question is a valid one. How can a jury pool be chosen from a group of people who are already biased against uh, the people that they would need to be uh justifiably uh, uh, taking a look at with an impartial nature. That just doesn't seem like it's possible. Uh Now, if we also take a look at some more of these results, 48% of D.C. residents who are eligible jurors agree that the penalty for insurrection, treason, or committing an act of domestic terrorism is life imprisonment or the death penalty, which would be a fair punishment for anyone who participated in the events of January 6th. And they tell us that we're somehow extremists when we talk about real treason that's done against the United States of America, such as those resistors, the one who stood in the way of Donald Trump's agenda being implemented, the ones who stood in the way of the American people taking back the power of this nation, the ones who would tell us, That by suggesting that committing an overt act of treason should get you put in prison for life or have you put to death, we're the extreme ones. But for grandmothers who walked through the velvet ropes on January 6th that were pushed into the Capitol because confidential human sources and FBI agents opened the doors from the inside, those people should be punished by life in prison or death. Uh, if you want to check out the actual full result results of the poll and see all the various questions that Washington, D.C. residents were asked, you can go to J6 change dot com. Now, why was this survey even done in the first place? Well, considering the number of defendants that have the uh, cases that are pending there in Washington, D.C., Jake Lang even being one of them. The idea is to get hardcore evidence that they can present to the judge or to the court uh, to show that a change of venue is warranted, uh, because if you are dealing with a 100 percent poison jury pool, uh, the chances of getting a fair and impartial trial uh, are next to zero percent. So J6 change dot com. And you can go ahead and check out the entire results of that study. Cherokee Skies, thank you very much. She says, uh, Zach should be the number one news show anywhere, period. Just truth. We all know it. That's why we're here every day. Uh, that that really does mean a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here, and uh, thanks for supporting the channel, guys, because it means a lot. Uh, before we get into the next set of stories, let me just say Karen Hare. Good to see you, Karen. It was great meeting you uh, as well at GART. Uh, appreciate the cookie. NetFolks one thank you for the can. FilterDog1 said, did you carry's Did I attend Carrie's Q&A last night? I did not. Uh, but I did message Carrie on Twitter to see if I can get her to come on the show and do an interview about what's going on. Uh, Just Ducky says, much love and blessings, everyone. God is good. Filter Dog one thank you for the cookie. Karen Harris says, uh, the list is long. J2 Dank, thank you for the cookie. Happy Dog Mama says, finally able to catch a live show. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for being here. I'm glad to have you. Filter Dog One, thank you for that cookie. Deplorable Farmer, thank you for the can. Dylan, 1954, thank you for the cookie. Sean Joe, thank you as well. Thank you to Filter Dog One. Judy, the Lady Pug, thank you for the cookie. Boise Blanc, thank you for the cookie. Just Ducky says, my wife and I are expecting our first child this year. Now I really have a reason to keep fighting this fight. Congratulations, Just duckies. There is nothing quite like becoming a father and recognizing that, The fate of that child, the fate of another human life is in your hands. And so, yes, therefore, the fight to save this country is more prescient, more dire than ever, more relevant to you and your family. You want your child to be able to inherit America when you're no longer here. And so... It's up to you to make sure that that happens. Congratulations, bro. I really am happy to hear that for you. Uh, Then he also says, we are God's warriors. Yes, yes, you are. Uh, Nakaz808, thank you for the shades. And Liberty Bells says, great show. Dems love to project what they do onto others. Much love and God bless. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, so continuing. uh, We're done with Peter Navarro. Uh let me see. Oh god, I just, this is this is just a, a little aside here but I was I was surprised to hear this, or maybe, I guess, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised to hear this, uh, because it took place in Minneapolis, um, where, of course, there is a large Somali, uh, African, likely Muslim, and perhaps terrorist uh, uh, contingent, a population, but a, a rocket-propelled grenade was found by the Hennepin County Sheriff's Department, along with a couple of other normal things, like some handguns, but... Also, a large quantity of fentanyl. This was in a home in Minneapolis. Now, upon further investigations, it looks like the RPG was not active, uh, but we don't know if the person who purchased it thought that it was going to be active. Two men were arrested during this search, and both of them, wouldn't you know it, have criminal backgrounds. And they have been convicted of making terrorist threats in the past. So looks like this is likely from that same population of uh, potential terrorists that uh, tend to gather in the Minnesota area because of the uh, uh, immigration that was uh, knocked out during the Obama years and uh, in the in the years leading up and continues to happen to this day. Uh, And again, that's where uh, Ilhan Omar, the brother lover, is from. All right, guys, let's talk about Texas. So, I feel that we are in a very interesting and unique time. We often talk about the lapses of the federal government and its uh, decisions, essentially, to not uphold the Constitution or the laws, to not protect us. I think there's one thing that the government should be in existence for, and that's to provide national security To these 50 United States, and they have thoroughly not done that job in recent years. As a result of that, it's up to every single state to protect its own sovereignty and to protect the people of that state and no state is proving that any more than the state of Texas. And despite the fact that federal agents and the Biden regime and now the Supreme Court have suggested that the CBP and DHS and other federal, uh, uh, other federales should have the ability to get access to that border and shut down the protective measures that Texas has been engaging in, uh, Governor Greg Abbott has once again reiterated the fact that the Sovereignty of Texas overrides the federal government's willingness and uh, wanting to engage in an invasion. Texas says we don't want to be invaded, so therefore we're going to protect our borders. Uh, He says in, in no uncertain terms, yes, it is Texas's constitutional right to protect itself as it relates to this ongoing crisis taking place at their southern border. So this came in the form of a statement that was issued late last night. Uh, and it's, of course, coming at the same time that uh, state and federal authorities are squaring off at this location in Shelby Park, which is an Eagle Pass. So uh, this is the statement from Governor Greg Abbott. And, you know, when when thinking about this story, I want you I want to go back to the things we were talking about earlier. You know, how do we fix this? How can we possibly fix this? We have the tools. We have the mechanisms. It's a matter of using them. The state governments of every single one of our states, if they have allowed these things to take place under their watch, then they're just as guilty. They have been guilty of what many people were guilty of, just believing that the federal government was going to do the right thing. Well, they're not going to. Texas has recognized that. He said President Biden has violated his oath to faithfully execute immigration laws enacted by Congress. Instead of prosecuting immigrants for the federal crime of illegal entry, President Biden has sent his lawyers into federal courts to sue Texas for taking action to sue the border. President Biden has instructed his agencies to ignore federal statutes that mandate the detention of illegal immigrants. The effect is to illegally allow their en masse parole into the United States. By wasting taxpayer dollars to tear open Texas's border security infrastructure, President Biden has enticed illegal immigrants away from the 28 legal entry points along the state's southern border, bridges where nobody drowns, and into the dangerous waters of the Rio Grande. Now, Abbott also included analysis from the intent of the framers of the United States Constitution. James Madison Alexander Hamilton and other visionaries wrote the U.S. Constitution foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border. That is why the the that is why the framers included both Article 6, Section 4, which promotes which promises that the federal government shall protect each state against invasion. And Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which acknowledges the state's sovereign interest in protecting their borders. And he quotes Arizona versus United States uh, and uh, a series of provisions which come within it. So in that statement, Governor Greg Abbott is laying out the legal and the mental rationale for signing a declaration of invasion under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. By doing so, that invokes Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. And that ought to supersede anything that the federal government would like to come in and do. He says that authority is the supreme law of the land, and it supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. Once again, Where the federal government has abdicated its responsibilities, the only choice that the states have is to step up and pick up the slack. Not only that, but there are legal and constitutional mechanisms which are already in place, which our elected officials just have to have the intelligence to know about and then use. This statement, of course, is all in due to the decision by the states by the United States Supreme Court, a five to four decision suggesting that this temporary order stopping the CBP and DHS from coming in and dismantling the border measures that have been put into Texas uh, would allow them to do so. So there is now a continued standoff. And Texas has thrown the gauntlet down. I personally don't see how in any sort of legal framework at the Supreme Court or otherwise, the Biden regime is going to be able to gain access. This may come down to a much larger standoff in uh, in another sense. Uh, now. They are continuing to deploy additional razor wire as part of their response to the invasion at the southern border. They have openly stated they're going to hold the line in Shelby Park. They are going to continue to deter and prevent unlawful entry into the United States and into the state of Texas. Operation Lone Star still stands. You remember, gosh, I feel like it was a year ago that Greg Abbott put Operation Lone Star into effect, Uh, but... There has been yet another demand letter that was sent to the Texas state government by the Department of Homeland Security and Joe Biden's regime demanding that Texas relinquish control of that park and just stand down. The federal government is not the end all be all. And we do have these various agencies that are in place with checks and balances on each other for a reason. People have sort of. They've just assumed that the federal government is the ultimate authority. Well, it turns out they're not. And I want you guys to remember this when you come up against these sorts of problems in your own states. I certainly hope that your elected officials are as intelligent about this as Governor Greg Abbott, because due to the fact that Joe Biden has allowed this invasion to affect every single state in America, I think it's going to be very soon that these sorts of decisions are going to be necessary to make in many, many other states all across this country. Texas Military Department also has a Twitter account, an X account, uh, and they posted two days ago, the Texas Military Military Department holds the line in Shelby Park to deter and prevent unlawful entry into the United States. We remain resolute in our actions to secure our border, preserve the rule of law, and protect the sovereignty of our state. And Greg Abbott and uh, others continue to post, images of the Texas Military Department uh, engaging in the deployment of additional sets of razor wires all across that southern border. The Biden regime continues to not have legal access to the border, even though they would like nothing more than to cut this down. They're not going to show up in the dead of night and remove this razor wire. Uh, And most importantly, other states are showing They're showing uh, alliance with Texas on this. They have joined together in a show of defiance against Joe Biden and his illegitimate Washington DC regime uh, so in a significant escalation of the tensions over this border policy we've got a number of Republican governors who have openly joined with Texas Governor Greg Abbott to legally and with reason defy the Biden regime uh, Governor Abbott has deployed since the decision uh, roughly 30 miles of razor wire there at Eagle Pass uh, and despite this setback uh, in terms of the Supreme Court's decision, uh, they have refused to back down and to allow the Biden regime to come on in and cut that razor wire down. So, uh, who is joining with them? Uh, well, let's go ahead and check this out. Okay, so uh, first of all, we've got Florida. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has expressed his stance uh, in being uh, on the same team as Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he's emphasized constitutional principles and has pledged assistance to Texas. Well, so we've got Florida and Texas, I would say the two strongest states in the country. He said if the Constitution really made states powerless to defend themselves against an invasion, it wouldn't have been ratified in the first place, and Texas would never have joined the union when it did. Texas is upholding the law while Biden is flaunting it, ignoring it Florida will keep Texas assisted with personnel and assets. Also, of course, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem has praised Texas's actions. She's criticizing the Biden regime, uh, and she's also offering her assistance. Greg Abbott is exactly right to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend itself. The Biden administration has created a national security crisis and put Americans in danger. Their failure is an unconstitutional dereliction of duty. South Dakota has been proud to help Governor Abbott's efforts to secure our border. And then Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia also weighed in, arguing that the Biden regime's policies have effectively turned every state into a border state, giving widespread implications for national security and public safety. Virginia stands with Texas Governor Greg Abbott to do the job the Biden regime and his border czar refused to do. The Biden administration has turned every state into a border state. we got to stop the flow of fentanyl, Save lives and secure our southern border. We've also got the governor of Oklahoma and the governor of Montana. Kevin Smith and Greg Gianforte. Uh, they said that they are condemning the federal government's actions and attributing it to an increase in drug trafficking and related criminal activity. Abbott is doing what the president refuses to do. And by refusing to act, Biden is inviting cartels, illegal drugs, and human trafficking into the United States. We need to secure the southern border. Even Brian Kemp. Rhino Brian Kemp is voicing his frustration with the situation and asserting that the state of Texas has all the right in the world to support their own efforts to keep their people safe. Also, of course, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, she wrote, If President Biden won't defend us, states will have to defend themselves. Arkansas stands with Texas. Even Iowa, Rhino Iowa, Kim Reynolds wrote, When the federal government fails, states step in. Iowa sent the Iowa National Guard and state troopers down to the border last year to stop this invasion. We stand with Texas got Alabama Governor Kay Ivey. Texas and the states have stepped up time and time again. The White House, purposely absent. I have had enough, Texas. You can count on Alabama to have your back. Louisiana Governor Jeff also said in a video statement, under our Constitution, states are still sovereign. We have the right to protect our citizens. Uh, so we have a major contingent of states all across America who, in throwing their allegiance behind Texas, have literally stood in the face of a lawless and criminal regime to allow them the benefit of understanding that if they're not going to do the job of keeping this nation safe, then we're, each and every one of us, going to have to do that job ourselves. So we've got, what, er, 14 states in total. Can you guys, would you have thought again, 10 years ago, that 14 of these United States, not only would they be standing in opposition to the lawlessness of Washington, D.C., but at the same time, we have a number of states that are suing the Biden government and the Biden DOJ. We're exposing the corruption of the FBI and so many other federal agencies. And we have essentially taken our power and our sovereignty back, without shedding a single drop of blood. I know this is just the beginning, guys, but this is mighty, mightily hearting, heartening. Uh, let me see. Nurse Penny. Good to see you, Penny. Hey, Zach. Nurse Penny here. We got a call from my daughter and son-in-law last night. They are expecting baby number three due in July. We are over the moon. That's grandbaby number six. Look at that. Uh, very, very, very happy to announce that to the world. Congratulations, Penny. Secret squirrel, hey Zach, can you tell us who is in control of the National Guard? Is it the state of the federal? The, the state governments are in control of the National Guard. Now, Joe Biden, uh, technically, if we were at war and we needed to deploy the National Guard somewhere, then Joe Biden or the federal government, whoever's in charge, uh, could claim control of that, of those National Guards and they could, uh, uh, claim to send them someplace else. But we are not at war. And even if we did right now at this point, I'm not so certain that the National Guards of any of these states would be willing to no longer accept orders from the governors and instead take orders from a lawless criminal regime in Washington, D.C. Because as far as they're concerned, the National Guards of these states, the, the the battle's at home. Okay, the war is on their border, so they're not going to step away from that, even though the federal government could say, you know, hey, we need to take control of these militias and of these National Guards. uh, I think that it's arguable that they would actually comply with it. I think that, you know, we are seeing a real change in the uh, in in the thought processes of states. I mean, look at everything that's happened in the last 20 years everybody has always kowtowed to the federal government. You got your local government, you got your state government, and you got your federal government. And it's not necessarily a hierarchy in terms of power, but that's how it's been treated. And so everybody just says, well, we got to let, they they said no, so we're going to go ahead and obey by that. They told us to do this, so we're going to go ahead and obey by that. Look at what happened in Ohio. The Ohio The Ohio legislature sent a bill to Governor DeWine outlawing the mutilation of children for sex reassignment surgery. Governor DeWine vetoed it. Do you know what the legislature did? They overrode the veto, and the law is now going into effect. How many other times in your lifetime have you heard that a governor vetoed a bill or the president vetoed a bill, something that had overwhelming support and they never try to override it? They just say, well, he said no. So we're going to go ahead and let it be. Uh, since Joe Biden came into office, he has refused to handle the problem at the national at, at the southern border. He's allowed this problem to perpetuate and uh, and, and to just get worse and worse and worse. Now, finally, three years in our states, because the problem is so bad, they're all banding together and they're saying, you know what, you've shown us that you are totally ineffectual and you're not going to do anything to solve this problem. The only thing you're going to do is make it worse. And so we're standing up and we're saying no. So. That that example I gave you about Governor DeWine vetoing that bill and then the legislature overriding that veto, the same thing can happen in the United States legislature in Washington, D.C., only they just don't usually. <clears throat> I think that we are witnessing a massive change in the delivery of power here in the United States. We have taken that power back to the state level uh, from the federal government. And I think that's vitally important if ultimately we plan on slashing the federal government in terms of budget, in terms of employees, in terms of agencies. There is no need to have a Customs and Border Patrol at the national level. Why? Because the states do it better. So there we go. We can get rid of CBP. There's no need to have a Department of Homeland Security when clearly the states are doing it better. They're taking care of their own security needs. Great. Let's get rid of them. Uh, and and the list goes on and on. Let's say Department of Education, Department of Energy. Let's have the states themselves handle them. The only way that we can make those agencies redundant is by taking on those responsibilities at the local level. So this is a very, very big deal, you guys. And uh, I'm I'm so excited. I mean, I'm more excited about this than I have been in a long time. Now, typical, typical from the Democrats. Look what they're, they're suggesting. They're saying that Joe Biden should just seize control over the National Guard uh, and to take control of this area. Now, <clears throat> as I said... This is not wartime. And as far as Texas is concerned, the war is there at the border. Uh, and this dispute is not going to go away because the federal government is going to tell the state government, you need to give us access and you need to just stop doing your job. However, If Texas were to do that, if they handed power over the National Guard so Joe Biden could send them home so that they could open up the border, they would be abdicating their own responsibility, their own constitutional responsibility to the people of Texas. So these agencies ignoring the problem happening at the border obviously perpetuates it. And it is a... uh, a lack of care, a lack of responsibility, uh, and open disdain for the people of the state of Texas and the rest of the country. So, Taking a look at this, Representative Joaquin Castro, obviously a Democrat, he's the one calling for Biden to take control of the the National Guard. He said, Governor Greg Abbott is using the Texas National Guard to obstruct and create chaos at the border. And everybody knows that that's uh, another DNC deep state lie. If Abbott is defying yesterday's Supreme Court ruling, POTUS needs to establish sole federal control of the Texas National Guard now. Good luck, Joaquin. Good luck, because I don't think that they're going to be willing to go ahead and allow him to do that. And if he tries to, and they tell him to go watch paint dry, that's going to be huge. So Representative Greg Kasar, also a Democrat, sharply criticized Abbott's approach. He said it's like the strategies used by Donald Trump. What you mean by taking the powers inherent in your own Laws and constitution to put them into action. That's the kind of thing that President Trump did. And that's exactly what we're going to see taking place when he comes back in 2025. So on Twitter, on X, he said, Greg Abbott has continued to use political stunts and inflammatory language to advance his own agenda. Not true, not true, not true, violating the constitution and endangering both U.S. citizens and asylum seekers. No. He is keeping American citizens safe. And by blocking that border, by not offering them some repose to waltz on through, he has successfully stemmed the flow of that dangerous crossing of the Rio Grande. Nobody's going to try to cross that river unless they think they can get through illegally at a non-official point of entry. Nobody dies at bridges, Nobody drowns on dry land. Now, continuing on. uh, Let's see. Uh, Okay, former Texas Representative Beto O'Rourke. He's uh, currently running for governor again. uh, He weighed in and he compared Abitius of the Texas Guard. Oh, look at this. This is. He's going to compare it to something racist. Texas Guard to Governor Oval Oral Eugene Fabius's defiance of federal authority in 1957. Abbott is using the Texas Guard to defy a Supreme Court ruling. When Governor Faubus did this in 1957, Eisenhower federalized the Arkansas Guard to ensure compliance with the law. Biden must follow the example of bold, decisive leadership to end this crisis before it gets worse. So, yes, in theory, Joe Biden could do that. But again, I don't believe that the Texas Guard or the state of Texas would be willing to allow that to take place because then they would be the ones who would be irresponsible, who would be engaging in unconstitutional behavior and who would essentially be opening the gates to allow another invading force of military age men to come in and rape their women, rape their children, murder their animals and set up shop in their backyards. So John Kirby, of course, he is another one of the uh the Biden crew that are just tremendously out of touch. Don't understand what we are trying to do, what Texas is trying to do. He appeared on a Fox News show as a talking head uh, and he was being asked questions about what's happening at the border. He's the official White House spokesperson. So uh let, let's go ahead and take a listen to him. Here we go.
5: Let's bring in John Kirby, NSC coordinator for strategic communications. John, uh, very good to have you with us. Um, I, I do want to just ask you off the top here some news that we have been seeing uh, coming in from Reuters that the Houthis claim that they have hit a U.S. military ship with ballistic mission on that. Issue. By more than 10 points, John, it is in first place. Do you think that these voters want to see more money go to processing people to get into this country? Or do you think they want to see the money go to turn people away and to, to stop the influx?
4: Oh, my goodness. I don't think I'm qualified to speak for the American people and what they would uh, what they specifically want to see about uh, immigration changes. What I would like to, t- to tell them is that uh, President Biden has, since the very beginning, since day one, been concerned about our immigration policy and and calling for reform. Um, he does agree that there needs to be changes in the way we process and, and we have created additional legal pathways. But there's obviously uh, more that can be done, not only to create legal pathways, but. All right. I'm going to give you the tilde. On what Mr. Kirby and the Biden regime believe, they want to make it as easy as possible for as many people as possible to enter the United States, either through legal or extra legal means, illegal means, so that eventually those people can become United States citizens. They can give them the right to vote and then they would end up replacing all of those natural born American citizens who will no longer look the Democrats in the eye and tell them with a straight face, you are the person to run America. The people of this country don't want additional money spent on giving people access to the country when as it is right now, we can't feed our own people. We can't home our own people. Uh, we can't employ our own people. Our veterans are living on the streets. Drug addicts are running rampant in Democrat hellholes all across this country. Illegals, gang members, cartel members are entering the nation and feeding those drug addictions. People are using drugs because their lives suck so bad. That they don't want to confront the truth of just how disgusting this nation has become. Not because America's disgusting, but because of disgusting pricks like John Kirby, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and the entirety of the deep state, new world order, elite political class in Washington, D.C., who want us to believe that the way we can make our lives better is to import more people with low skills who have no hopes of getting a legitimate job and who are, we know, likely going to engage in acts of criminality and violence against the people whose money, whose lives, whose women and children they want to steal. You cannot import third-world people uh, and set them free onto the streets of metropolitan centers all across this country, giving them nothing to hope for except a handout and perhaps uh, to steal a Tesla from a uh, a, a, a starched-shirt white liberal in Washington, D.C., uh, and expect that you're not going to have an increase in crime. I mean, every single day we hear about organized criminal gangs coming into Walgreens and Macy's and coach stores all across the country. Crime is so bad here, guys. Major American franchises like In-N-Out Burger, uh, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, you name it, they are being forced to close down in these metropolitan areas. So In these areas, you've already got a uh, increasingly small number of places that you can go for food. You generally have to eat fast food if you're living in one of these hellholes. You're not going to be able to go to a grocery store. You're not going to be able to get fresh food. And if they do have that stuff... It's probably going to be ridiculously overpriced and people would just rather be able to pay for something inexpensive to feed their entire family, which means that it's going to be unhealthy. It means that it's not going to be good for them. It's likely going to uh, lessen their quality of life by decreasing their overall health, uh, making them overweight. And even if they do find some place to eat, good luck, uh, escaping the, the rampant addiction and cycle of crime that so many people get caught up when living in these places. Uh, they've, they've created what are essentially feedback loops which require people to engage in the worst possible behaviors at the, the, the distinct detriment of the family, the individual, society, and institutions uh, themselves all across this country. And, of course, again, this is by design. They want to destroy America, and we see that. We see that. Uh, Stacy Stein, good to see you. Crazy Cat Drones will be filming via drones at the convoy and the border. We will see the truth. And with that, thank you very much, Stacey. <clears throat> That's actually something I was planning on talking about. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to show you that it's not just state governors that have pledged support with Texas. It's also members of Congress, Mike Johnson has offered his full support to the state of Texas. This is, of course, now a completely different animal. You've got state governors with their own national guards, their own people to oversee, but Mike Johnson is Speaker of the House, and he's at the federal level in Washington, D.C., So Speaker Johnson tweeted out his support for Governor Greg Abbott and the sovereignty of the United States and of the people of Texas. Let's go ahead and take a look at what that tweet said. So he retweeted Governor Abbott's statement about their constitutional right to self-defense. And he said, I stand with Governor Abbott. The House will do everything in its power to back them up. Uh, next step, holding Senator Mayorkas accountable. That is actually happening now. They're going to be impeaching Senator, or Senator, they're going to be impeaching Director Mayorkas. And if anybody deserves to get impeached and lose their job, it's Alejandro Mayorkas. Now, Stacey, the trucker convoy. Uh, We had a brief trucker-convoy flirtation in Washington, D.C. after the trucker-convoy in Canada. As I just let you know the other day, the truckers and the attendees to those rallies have just been vindicated by the Canadian Constitutional Commission. The actions of Justin Trudeau were found to be unconstitutional, and they violated the rights of Canadians. Here in America, a new trucker-convoy is being scheduled for early February to head on down to the southern border and to back up the people of Texas and I would imagine probably the people of New Mexico and Arizona as well. So we are seeing this around social media. It's called Take Our Border Back Convoy. Uh, peaceful assembly. It begins on January 29th uh, and it goes through February 3rd. Uh, looks like they're going to be at Eagle Pass, Texas, on February 3rd, Tucson, Arizona, on February 3rd, and San Diego, California, on February 3rd. So... Uh these three border states are going to be where people are going to be uh, setting up. But they say, calling all truckers, bikers, law enforcement, veterans, military, elected officials, business owners, ranchers, and freedom-loving Americans. The time is now for we, the people, to peacefully assemble in honor of our constitutional rights to call on our government to take action and secure the border. Make your voices heard. Roll with us. Now, TakeOurBorderBack.com. Obviously, I want everybody to be safe. And every time somebody tries to organize something like this, people always seem to be a little suspicious about the, the organic nature of it. Is it coming from a real organization or is this a fed organization that's hoping to uh, catch people in a bad situation? So let's go to TakeOurBorderBack.com. Actually, do they link to it? No, takeourborderback.com. So I want to see if they tell you who organized it. Takeourborderback.com. Did I spell it wrong? Takeourborderback.com. Yes, here it is. About. Well, it tells what their goals are Uh They're Oh, wow. So they're going to be driving from Virginia Beach, Virginia to Eagle Pass, Texas, uh, and then from Eagle Pass to Yuma, Arizona, also from San Ysidro, California to Yuma, Arizona. And they say it would take over 700,000 vehicles to line the border. Uh, Join us and subscribe for updates, including convoy schedule, meeting locations, rally dates and times. So if anybody here knows the people who are behind this, I would really like to know uh, who those people are. Let me see general information. They've got a donation portal. Wow, they've raised over $45,000 already. Who is the person who organized this? Well, I'm going to send them an email, guys, and uh, I'll get uh, any information that I possibly can, and I'll bring it to you. Well, it'll have to be over the weekend because today's Thursday. But generally on these things, it gives you the name of a person who organized it. Uh, The funds from this campaign will be received by Mission WP Haggy 28. Let's see if I can find anything about them. Hmm. Well, obviously it's from... Okay, so I'll have to get back to you guys on exactly who there was. Uh, Trisha says, Zach, I'm trying to find the interview with the lady who started it. Yes, if you can... Send it to me. I would really appreciate it. Um, I'm definitely going to be emailing them as soon as I get off the air because we we have to have a face to put to this. I, we need to make sure that this isn't like a Fed uh, event. I, I'm pretty sure it's not because I've had a lot of people contacting me about it today. But, uh, you know, I know that the Feds will do something like this. They will organize. If we start seeing like an Antifa event organized at the exact same time in uh, Eagle Pass, Texas, then I would be suspect of it. But uh, and it looks like you can email them right here. Take our border back. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll email them and we'll find out. So the border fight is also taking place in the Senate right now. You guys may not have known this, but Mitch McConnell and some of the rhinos in the Senate have been looking to put together a comprehensive uh, double sided immigration bill, a pro migration border bill which instead of securing the southern border, would insta- in fact hand over a lot of what the Biden regime wants and a lot of what the deep state is trying to accomplish. So Senate Republicans held a closed-door meeting on Wednesday, uh, and they are attempting to get the Republicans in the Senate uh, to essentially link up border security with Ukraine uh, so that they can get money for Ukraine, and then they can basically hand the Democrats everything they want. Now McConnell understands that Donald Trump is the nominee and that changes things a little bit because it empowers the America First Senate members to remind them that we got to stand up. We cannot allow ourselves to be compromised on this. The 2024 campaign, the 2024 campaign now is about one thing thanks to Joe Biden. It's about immigration. And even more than immigration, it's about an illegal invading force that Joe Biden has Invited here and welcomed with open arms. So these guys in the Congress and in, in the House and in the Senate, they are the last line of defense. You know, we've said it on so many different occasions. They have the power to do something. They have the power to address What's happening at the southern border, but they have not done it. They cannot come to an agreement or they refuse to come to an agreement that will be a comprehensive version of what the American people want. If they would have just finished the freaking border wall, then we wouldn't be going through the issues that we are right now. But the Hill is reporting that this border portion of this bill is dead. Republicans have abandoned Mitch McConnell and Mitch McConnell is no longer trying to get this passed because he sees the writing on the wall. He understands that there is not enough support to add this border portion of the bill to help Joe Biden import as many more migrants as he wants. Uh, and it would likely lead to mass uh, uh, amnesty for these people. Stacey Stein says thousands of concerned Americans, including the Event Steering Committee, Scotty Sachs, Sovereign Radio, Kim Yeter, Take Our Power Back Show, and Noel R., Patriot Mom 007, Robert A.G. Banners for Freedom. Okay, I, I know these names. Uh, definitely I've seen these people involved in other things. So. I feel comfortable saying that this event is legit, and I'm still going to reach out to them, and I'll see if I can't get them to maybe do a, a short segment on the show this weekend so that I can make sure that you guys feel good about this. But if, if you are down there in uh, this area of Texas or Arizona or even in California and you plan to attend, please send me an email, and I'd love to help get some viewers of the show together on the same page so maybe you guys can meet up. Stacy is an incredible photographer. She's a drone operator, and she's provided a lot of great footage before, like when the convoy was heading to Washington, D.C. She set me up with a bunch of stuff. She also set me up with some really good footage from the border. Um, I, I also just got in touch with some other guys who uh, have been down in Eagle Pass, Texas, and they'll be there this weekend, and I'm going to see if I can't do some live on-the-scene reporting, and maybe I'll even talk to a National Guardsman down there. But, uh, two-two-two. Pan- Panetta- Pantera says the wall has zero to do with this planned invasion. My point is that if the wall was in place, the invasion would not be happening in the same way. I feel like that's a pretty simple thing to put together just because uh, a border – a comprehensive border that would stem the flow physically of illegals coming across it, uh, well, I mean, that makes it a lot more difficult for them to do so. And uh, perhaps the uh, the invasion itself is not as a result of the wall not being finished. You're, you're right there, but... I think that there are uh, mitigating uh, agents that can't have been pushed that could have been put into place to ensure that it didn't happen this way. I think that's the reason Donald Trump wanted to put the border wall up in the first place is because it just simply makes it more difficult for them to stream millions of people across the border. No. The border invasion is happening because they want to replace us and they want to give amnesty to illegals uh, and then they can use those people for votes. They also want to use those people to destabilize the country, uh, to put us into a state of eternal fear and to uh, keep us off of our game so that we never know when something is going to happen. Uh, this is one of the main reasons I have always suggested that people make sure you are trained and owners of second amendment materials because you gotta protect yourself and you gotta protect your family. It may come down to a much more direct form of protection, not only for yourself and your family, but for your state, for your neighborhood. Who knows what's going to happen? We've already been aware of a number of different instances of people with terror ties coming across that southern border. We know that there are people from countries all over the world who are not fans of the United States, but are taking advantage of the weakened situation at our southern border uh, and are entering the United States states illegally so they can go ahead and, you know, take part in whatever operations they have uh, in, in our planning for the future. Uh, I've said on a number of occasions, too, it would not surprise me if they pulled off some sort of a false flag using one of these illegals that came across or a group of these illegals doesn't mean they're going to blame it on the illegals. They could very likely try to blame it on an America first person, uh, a supporter of Donald Trump. Uh, but in reality, have one of these uh, illegal operatives that's crossed the border be the one that engages in it. Um, so Mitch McConnell has given up on his attempts to include this border quote security package. So that's a big win. And I, and, and, and I want to end with a couple of quotes from Tucker Carlson because he's in Canada, uh, speaking before some event. And uh, he had a, a couple of hot takes for Justin Trudeau. Here we go.
8: Oh, you know. <laughs> Got a Canadian tire for an hour. Uh, Justin, can you watch my kids? <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to do that. But you hit on your country, it's totally cool. Don't worry, he's a good skirt. Um, but he will collapse under the weight of his own ludicrousness and go back to Cuba or do whatever he does.
6: <laughs> but,
4: Go back to Cuba. I wonder how many people in Canada understand about that relationship between Justin Trudeau's mom and his dad on the birth certificate and Fidel Castro. That, that seems like the kind of thing that the Canadian government would want to keep real quiet. They don't want a whole lot of memes going around of Justin and Fidel right next to each other. Any Canadians here? Any Canadians here who want to com- comment on that? Is that, like, well-known and publicized that Justin Trudeau is likely the son of Fidel Castro? Let me see. Zach and Lisa. Oh, somebody's going to be in Florida? Okay. Um, nowhere for city dwellers or city rest. Okay. Okay, so uh, Justin Trudeau uh, taking his licks there, thanks to Tucker Carlson, and... Um, Continuing on, this is at the TELUS Convention Center. Uh, he took the stage alongside Alberta Premier Danielle Smith. Carlson, of course, is known for his wit, his intelligence, and his cogent arguments. Uh, they spoke about Canada's medical assistance in dying. This is Canada's new program to allow people to pay to have themselves murdered. And Tucker Carlson uh, called it genocide, because I don't know what else you would uh, want to call it.
8: If you're killing 50,000 other citizens, and the government is doing that through the MAID program, and a lot of them are not actually terminally ill, they're just sad. And the government is encouraging them to submit to being killed by the government. And then we'll release the really recent statistics. Like, what is that? What is that? Yeah, genocide, that's exactly what it is. It's killing large groups of people. And who are those people? Well, we don't, we don't know. Because your government has a
4: let me also say this, um, I see, I see programs like this, uh, mass genocide of citizens, uh, on the same level that I see the push for abortion. You know, there's a, a number of different layers taking place. Of course, you've got people who are Satanists who are probably casting black magic spells based upon the deaths of innocent people. Certainly babies are as innocent as you get. Uh, but when you are putting people to death who are adults, uh, I would imagine they're gonna use that exact same sort of black magic for those situations as well. Then you've got other people who maybe just think that there's too many of us and so they wanna thin out the herd. Uh, then you've got the, uh, the, the political elites the, the political class who believe that uh, they need to get rid of as many of us as possible for, you know, the same reasons. They like killing babies. They think there's too many of us. Uh, it'll be easier to control us if we are are convincing people that they just need to die. Uh, but the resources, that's definitely one of the things that they take into account. Uh, and they talk about this as if it's some kindness, like, to allow people to believe that there's no way out except for them to give up their lives, uh, and, and just die. Uh, I think that it's one of the worst things you can possibly do. I've had friends who have committed suicide before, and it's horrible. You know, I mean, I've known people who were in a tremendous amount of pain, but there are resources out there uh to show you that there is a different way and one of the true tragedies of the modern era is that so many people believe that you know your life is supposed to look like uh, a a sitcom on television like everything should be happy everything should just be handed to you but you know despite all of the modern conveniences that we have in America and across the world life is difficult and you come up against big problems all the time that require a lot of uh of thought care planning mental capital to be able to solve them and oftentimes it's not easy probably 99% of the time you find yourself in a situation that you know may seem impossible uh at any one point but you have no choice but to solve those problems and to move forward and uh, to take full advantage of this beautiful life that you've been given, it's a miracle that you're even here. Suicide should be the last possible solution uh, instead of a early viable solution, uh, which is what they want to do in Canada and what they've been doing in other European nations.
8: What percentage of those are in Canada? I bet right around 100%. So if you're a government, you have the duty to your citizens, people who are from here, people whose ancestors built the place, not exclusively to them, but primarily to them, to your citizens. Like, why else do you exist except to serve your citizens? And if you're targeting your citizens, how many people who arrived in Canada in the last 10 years have opted into the main program? I don't know the answer. I would better answer. That's all people who are from here. Another government brags, oh, we're saving money because they died. That's the darkest thing I can imagine. I bet there's zero conversation about that in this country because I know this country and I know what it's like. It's too horrible, no one wants to talk about it. You should talk about it. But more than anything, you should internalize the message of that, which is they hate me. They hate me to the point they're willing to kill me, which yep. they are. And the third thing is, notice the erosion of your most basic civil liberties, not the ones granted to you by the crown, but the ones granted to you by God. And those would include the freedom of speech. Yeah. Which is inalienable. It cannot be taken from you no matter who is in Ottawa. Your rights remain the same because you were born with them because you are not a slave, you're a human being. You have inherent dignity because God made you. That's just a fact. This
4: this is the fundamental underpinning of our society, of Western society, uh, because. They they would have us believe that we are not divine, that there's nothing special about us, that our rights are not given freely by God by very nature of who and what we are, but are instead granted by the all powerful federal government that sits in Ottawa or in Washington, D.C. It could not be further from the truth. We deserve all of the rights that we are born with. And they should not have the power or the ability to take them away from us, and I think that 's perhaps been something that a lot of people have forgotten they 've been broken they 've been beaten down by life, by society, by the systems they 've put in place, place to oppress us, and we have to be reminded of that every single day, every single morning when you wake up if you think that if you 're thinking like my life sucks, and i don 't know why i 'm here. I think you should be trying to change your frame of reference and remember that you're here because God puts you here for a reason. This is not some random bit of happenstance. All right. You are a freaking miracle. You know, when I was little, I used to think about this all the time. Like, what are the chances that like my mom and dad met in the first place? Okay. And then the one time that I was conceived, it was like, me, my dad's swimmers, okay, uh, millions of these little guys, and uh, just happened to create that moment of conception in that egg. And then I was allowed to gestate, to form into a fully functioning human being. And at the moment that those two came together, the sperm and the egg, boom, a flash of light erupts. And the miracle of life begins right there. There is nothing more beautiful than that, and, and nothing that, in my opinion, should remind you more about the miracle of God's creation. The very fact that you exist right now means that there are no coincidences, that you are not just here at the flick of a button or the snap of a finger. There's a reason. You've got power. In this world. You've got sovereignty. And this is going back to the conversation at the beginning of the show. It's up to you. It's your responsibility to best determine what that is for you in your life. What decisions can you make to become the best example of God's plan here on earth? Why were you put here? What do you have to offer because I guarantee you, it is more than you can possibly imagine. You just have to come to it. All right, guys. I think we're going to go ahead and call it there. Um, yeah, oh, you know this. This one, This goes back to the the sponsor of the show, the uh, a German minister who wants to downgrade possession of distribution of child porn from a crime into a misdemeanor. Geez, I wonder why he would be doing that. Maybe that's because there are powerful forces that are working to abuse children in a systematic and ritualistic way. So just remember the sponsor from the beginning of the show uh, with the the uh, uh the book here Exposing the Horror of Ritual Abuse you can visit the link in the description of this video and I encourage you to do so uh, I'm going to go through a couple of thank yous over here on the foxhole and let me also remind you of the final sponsors onenessdrops.com use code RP78 to get 15% off your order of chlorine dioxide water purification kits you can use chlorine dioxide for so much. I put it in my dog's water. It cleans their teeth. I put it in my own water to keep me healthy. It also allows you to take dirty water and make it clean so that if the worst were to happen and clean water is not coming out of your tap, you can go ahead and ensure that you and your family are able to survive. So onenessdrops.com In the link of this description, use code RP78 to get 15% off your order. Also, head on over to MyPillow at MyPillow.com, where you also use code RP78 to save up to 80% off your order on any number of Mike Lindell's amazing products designed and produced here in America. Mike Lindell represents the best of Minnesota. Ilhan Omar and the terrorists with uh, their uh, rocket propelled grenades represent the worst. We have to overcome that so that we can take our country back. But head on over to mypillow.com. Use code RP78 to get 80% off of Mike's amazing products. And then finally, my patriot supply by heading over to prepare with redpill 78com Right now, you can get $200 off a three-month supply of emergency food that's going to last you for 25 years. In case anything happens to your ability to either grow or get food from the grocery store, this is definitely something you're going to want to have on hand. Lisa and I have over a year's worth of emergency food for both of us because the last thing I want to get do is get caught in a... Uh, Night of the Living Dead type scenario or, you know, perhaps, uh, a, a violent overthrow from a fascist federal dictatorship coming in and telling me what I can do with my own life, uh, my own sovereignty and, uh, my own civil liberties. Nobody's going to tell me what I'm supposed to do except for God and me. Uh, let me say thank you very much to uh, Johnny, is it? Uh, may God bless all you patriots. Yes, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate you guys being here. Uh, two, two, two. uh, Secret Squirrel says, uh, cheers, Zach. Thank you for the clarification on things that can be overwhelming. Love you. Thank you so much, man. I, I hope that I, I gave you some peace and some things to think about, uh, and I hope that seriously every single one of you heard me when I said that you're special. There's a reason you're here, and you have something to offer. This is not just an American movement. This is a global movement. The entire world has woken up to the fact that this evil New World Order agenda seeks to not only control you, but to murder you and to turn you into something that is not human. Because once you're not a human, once you're a transhuman, once you are something outside of what God created in that flash of light between that egg and that sperm, then you are now something that they can control. And we can't allow that to happen. I want this planet, I want my country to be here for my children, for my children's children, and for every single one of you out there and your children's children. So let me say thank you very much to uh, Just Duckies. Congrats again, buddy. Uh, Liberty Bells, great show. Dems love to project. Who cares? Says, high five, Zach and Lisa. Do you? Did you get the story of the two letters from beyond... From Beyond Ton Fanny, the two letters. No, I I'm not certain what you're talking about. If you want to drop a link, then uh, I'll go ahead and pull it up here at the end. Uh, Just Ducky says Amen and love you all very much. Love you too, brother. Raisin Kane, thank you for the cookie. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Lee Ann sixty three, thank you for the shades. Appreciate you there, my friend. Esther G two thirty or Esther G thirteen uh, says Red Pill. Have you interviewed Chris Ann Hall? I have interviewed Chris Ann Hall. It's been a minute since I've had her on the show, but I would love to have. her back on, uh, and uh, so I'll, I'll reach out to her again. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie, and then thank you for the other cookie. Okay. To do do and uh, Big Arnie asked if Zach would answer your question. I have a question about what I've seen and if anyone else has seen it in the area. What question was that, Big Arnie? Um, hang on, let me see. To do do Big Arnie, I, I don't know. Hang on. It was probably too much to put in the chat. I'm going to list it in the comments. But would, would you do me a favor? You can put it in the comments, but will you also send me an email? Because sometimes it's difficult for me to find stuff in the comments. I mean, they'll get loaded up, but send me an email. Redpill78 at proton.me. And uh, title it Question from the Chat, and I'll definitely see it. Uh, hunt, kill, eat, 17. The choice is yours, God or evil. Pick wisely. It seems like a pretty obvious and easy choice to me, but yeah, people are uh, tempted by a lot today. It's not always easy to do the right thing, and I think that... Nothing has demonstrated that more than what we just saw with Carrie Lake exposing Jeff DeWitt. I mean, she was sitting on that for like a year or something, wasn't she? Probably waiting for the right time to release it. Think about how many other politicians out there have been bought or have been attempted to be bought. How many people have had that conversation? I I will tell you guys a quick story, and I've told it here on the show before. When I ran for city council 20 plus years ago, um, I had to go out and get signatures from all of the residents of my ward. I was a young man. Most of the residents of the ward were older people. Uh, they were uh, um, comfortable with the city council member that they had at the time. He was like a, a, an incumbent of like eight years. And I had to go around and meet everybody and introduce myself to them and ask them to at least sign this so that I could get onto the to the ballot, the primary. And uh, the, uh, and once I did that, I received a call from a local lawyer who was known as a power broker in that area. And they saw that I was young, I had energy, I really cared about my city, and, uh, that perhaps I could be useful if they were to get me into office. So he called me down. And he introduced himself and we talked for about 15 minutes. And then he was like, well, you know, I'm not going to blow any more smoke up your ass. He said, I just want to know if we let you win, are you going to play ball? So kind of in the same way that Kerry Lake was asked, you know, if we buy you off, will you then come back later? He said, if we let you win, he didn't say who the we was. Clearly, it was him and other people with money who were running the city. If we let you win, are you going to play ball? Now, nothing specific, but the obvious insinuation is, are you going to do what we want? Are you going to vote the way we want? And I said, I'm not willing to tell you that I'm going to follow any dictates that are given to me by anyone other than the voters of my district. I said, I will vote with my conscience in the best interest of the people I hope to represent. And he looked at me and he said, had to try. <laughs> and that was it. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah, I, I almost beat the guy, but I didn't. I lost by a couple of votes, not many votes at all. And uh, yeah. And so it sucks losing an election. Um, but um, at the end of the day, I had to try. I put myself through it. It was uh, a difficult thing to do. My, I was completely under a microscope the whole time. It took all of my time, all of my, uh, my energy, took everything that I had. And I almost did it. I almost beat him. And if I would have gotten in there, then who knows what they would have tried to make me do. But to the same way that Carrie Lake refused to, uh, to flex on her morals and her ethics, I refused to do the same thing. If I had said yes, maybe they would have let me win. But there's no way that I would have been able to say that. All right, you guys. uh, Thank you very, very much. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern for another episode of Red Pill News for Friday night live stream. Let me tell you who the guest is going to be tomorrow Oh, it's going to be Jennifer Guskin. She is a mother who's been fighting to get her children back from the organized kidnapping ring of CPS. Jennifer, uh, you can expect to re- hear uh, to get an email from me tomorrow with all the information. Uh, but you guys, I will put that information out on my various social medias and then, of course, also on uh, on Telegram. Uh, so either if you're here or if you're on Pilled or you're, if you're on Getter or if you're on Twitter, no matter where you are, Thank you very much for joining. Uh, if you haven't yet, please hit the like button. Please also consider sharing the show. We've still got over 4,000 people here on Rumble and just 745 likes. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for continuing to support me and, uh, and stick with me in our mission to expose corruption and bring truth to the masses. You are a miracle. Good luck and God bless.